I'm here. That messes people up. Now, I ain't no Calvinist, amen, but I do know. I mean, I remember all the details on that I got saved, but I'm glad, uh, I'm glad I know what happened, amen. Thank the Lord for it. John chapter 4 tonight, please. The Gospel of John chapter number 4. John chapter number 4 tonight, and we'll give you a thought. I've done something today I ain't done in a long time. I got back from the, got back from the nursing home service, and I laid on that front pew and took a nap, amen. I know why some of y'all sleep when I preach now. Those pews are pretty comfortable, amen. I got Grace's little pillow out of, or uh, Judy's little pillow out of her uh, bassinet thing, and I curled up on that pew and took me about a 30-minute nap, amen. And uh, so now if you go to sleep while I'm preaching, I'm still going to get mad at you. But anyway, John chapter 4, and uh, we'll try to give you a thought tonight. And I appreciate the week the Lord's given us. I ended up preaching in three states, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, all in one week, had a funeral yesterday, and uh, so I'm a little bit weary in body uh, and mentally. Uh, no jokes there. Uh, but uh, I'm going to try to give you what I feel like the Lord's placed upon our heart tonight. John chapter 4, if you just hear the other Wednesday night, we preached out of this chapter, kind of just testified off the cuff a little bit, and I'm going to review a little bit of that tonight, and then I want to head to another thought the Lord's given us out of this text. I actually preached a couple nights during the revival meeting this week uh, out of this chapter and I want to try to give you some thoughts tonight. Amen. John chapter number 4 and verse number 1. The Bible says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he, may, he must needs go through Samaria. And he cometh to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. That's very important. Note that. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this evening. Thank you all for the portion you've directed our heart to. Thank you for your blessings and your kindness to us. Lord, I pray, Lord, you make this text fresh in our hearts again tonight. Or you've been speaking to my heart uh, through this chapter over the last week. And I pray, God, that you'd be able to allow us to give to the congregation tonight what you've given to us. And what you do, we'll thank you. And we'll give you glory for it. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The other Wednesday night, we preached a little message for a few moments out of John chapter number 4. We talked about this well here in John chapter 4. W-E-L-L, not W-H-A-L-E, all right? Uh, we talked about this well, Jacob's well by name. We said that a well is a place of refreshment. Now, I actually have some things wrote down tonight. The other night, I didn't have nothing written down. I actually have some things written down tonight. We said a well is a place of refreshment. A well is a place of revival, and a well is a place of resource. Whenever they uh, built a new city or a new community, one of the first things that they would do was to dig a well because they knew how vitally important it was for them to have water uh, in their community. This well in our text tonight is a place of heritage. It was Jacob's well. It was a family well. It was a place for the holy, for Jesus sat down at this well, and it was a place for the holy. 
hopeless for this woman who had been married five times and was currently shacked up with a man. Uh, she came to this well. This well was a place for the weary. The Bible said that Jesus was weary from his journey. This place was a well, this well was a place for the word because Jesus is the word of God. And this well was a place for this woman. This well was a place for the Savior. It was a place for the sojourner, and it's a place for the sinner. And we preach the other night on the well as a type of the church. Aren't you glad it's a place of heritage tonight? Aren't you glad it's a place for the holy, and it's a place for the hopeless? It's a place for the weary. It's a place for the Word of God. And it's a place for men and women and boys and girls to come. It's a place for the Savior. It's a place for the sojourner. And it's a place for sinners. Amen. We preach the other night that this well is a type of the church because Jesus stopped at this well. And may I remind you Jesus desires to meet with us. He desires to fellowship with us and have a one-on-one relationship with us. Jesus not only stopped at this well, but Jesus spoke at this well. I love this. His word was personal. He spoke to this woman specifically. And I'm glad for all the times I've went to church and God spoke to my heart specifically. He had a word for me. It was a divine word, a direct word, sometimes a disciplined word, sometimes a delightful word. But I'm just glad anytime God speaks to me, even when he's rebuking me and chastising me, I find his love in the fact that he would take time to speak to me and he would take time to have a word directed to my heart. Jesus stopped there and Jesus spoke there. But Jesus saved there. This woman left the well and she was not the same person that she was when she came this well. Me and Brother Keith was talking on the phone the other day and I was sharing these thoughts with him. And he said, you know what? She came back to that well again the next day. Because she had there was something at that well that she needed. We understand that Jesus satisfied that inward desire. But physically she still had a desire. And so she kept coming back to the well. You know what? Even though I'm saved by the grace of God and on my way to heaven... I still need to come back to the church, amen. You know, a lot of people said they got saved and they got so saved they never had to come back to church again. I didn't get that saved. Can I get amen out of that? I tell you, I need church. I keep coming back to the well. Why? Because I found something at this well that I need. Can I get amen out of that? And so we, we're thinking about this well as a type of the church. And here's my thought for tonight. I'll give it to you and we'll go home. The Bible said this was Jacob's well. And that Jacob gave it to Joseph. In fact, we find that in verse number 5. And we find that in verse number 12. The woman said, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well? Notice what she said about it. And drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. Here's what she said. She said, Our father Jacob not only gave us this well, but he drank out of this well and he fed his, he drank, his cattle drank out of this well. Now what's interesting to me is Jacob lived some 1,700 years before John chapter 4. Meaning that this well had been in existence for over 1,700 years. It means this, this well had been providing water to the thirsty. 
Providing hope for the weary traveler. Helping others for over 1,700 years. The well was still providing water for generations to come. I want to thank God tonight that Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And ever since that day, that well has been flowing. And there's been many people of God and saints of God who've come by this well and got a good drink of water. There's been many sinners that got saved at church. I understand you. You can get saved at other places besides church. But I just happened to get saved at church. Amen. And I'm so glad that somebody made sure that the well was still flowing. Made sure the water was still available for me when I got to the well. Now may I remind you tonight, this well did not save this woman. But I'll tell you what it did. It created an opportunity for Jesus to sit down on that well and minister to that woman. Here's what I want to preach on tonight. Keeping the well for another generation. Because in order for this well to have still been there after 1,700 years, that means somebody had to put in some effort and had to put in some desire to keep the well clean. Now, when I'm talking about keeping the well clean tonight, I'm not talking about the, the body of Christ. The body of Christ is always going to be here. Can I get amen out of that? But tonight, I'm talking about the local church, Safe Harbor Baptist Church. We better keep this well clean because somebody said, well, Jesus is coming. I know he's coming, but he may not come for another 50 years. And these babies in this church, they need to be able to grow up and raise their family in a church where the water is still flowing fresh and clean. You know who that falls on tonight? That falls on you and I. We better keep the well clean. I preached the first half this week in Lynchburg, Virginia. And uh, the pastor took me one day after lunch. We went over to the Thomas Road Baptist Church in Lynchburg, Virginia, the original Thomas Road. Jerry Falwell pastor there for over 45, maybe 50 years plus. Jerry Falwell in the 60s and 70s and early 80s uh, was, a, was an old-fashioned independent Baptist preacher. He had B.R. Lakin preach for him. Oliver B. Green preached for him. Many of the men of God that we know of days gone by preached at Thomas Road Baptist Church. But I walked in that auditorium on Wednesday afternoon uh, of that great church where God blessed and moved and the ceiling was painted black. The pulpit was gone. They had a rock band equipment on the platform and they had started the ramp church in that place. We drove over to Liberty University and, and the other day, a few months ago when I was there preaching at another church across town, I went in their bookstore and the first book I, I saw was by Stacey Abrams, the liberal Democrat uh, governorial candidate down in Georgia who is for abortion and for a lot of wickedness. And, and, and this was a school that sent out preachers and missionaries, but sadly it went downhill when it had, took university status. But here's what I thought about standing in that auditorium Wednesday. The members of Thomas Road Baptist Church back in the 60s and 70s and 80s never thought that their church would become what it is today. Rock bands on the platform, ESV, NIV, other versions of the Bible preached from the pulpit, they never thought it'd end up that way. They never thought that. Never thought that. But you know what happened? Somebody didn't keep the well clean. And now the ceiling's painted black. I'm talking about it's a I'll show you a picture after church. The front of the building is a four beautiful white columns, brick building. The balcony wraps around the sides. I took pictures in there. Such a beautiful place where hundreds and thousands of souls, no doubt, were saved. 4,000 seat auditorium. But to this, to this afternoon, they had a rock band in there. You know why? Because somebody didn't keep the well clean. I could take you down to Charlotte, North Carolina tonight to Northside Baptist Church where brother, brother and Sister Sanford remember her for years. 
Brother and Sister Sanford, they never thought that church would end up like it is today. Uh, Brother Sanford went to Tennessee Temple University, Dr. Lee Robertson. And now it's the Church of the Highlands, and it's went a different direction. They never thought it would go that way. And that's not a reflection necessarily on Dr. Robertson or Dr. Hudson, but I'll tell you what happened, the membership of that church, they never thought it happened to their church. They never thought it happened here. All that happened, yeah, churches are going to live all over the place, but it'll never happen here. Beside him, Sister Sanford, it's happened. And it's sad. I know that burden, Brother Sanford's heart. We've talked about it many times, seeing the direction the ministry's going. I want to warn us tonight that it could happen here. First of all, keeping the well for another generation, first of all, we need to realize the possibility. I won't be expositional tonight. You'll forgive me, but I'll give you my burden tonight. We better realize the possibility that it could happen here. Oh, it may not happen under my pastorate. But if Jesus don't come, I'm probably going to die one day. Or I'm going to get so old where y'all don't want to hear me preach no more. But y'all just be as old as I am, Tony. So do you remember that, all right? You'll be older than me, amen. Uh, But... You better be careful if God, and I'm not planning on going anywhere. I feel like it's where God's going to leave me. But if God ever has me to leave, you better be careful about what next pastor you put in this place. You better check him out back and front, up or down. Make sure he don't have any other versions in his closet. Make sure he ain't going to go to the wives running around. Amen. Make sure his doctrine's straight. Because I'm telling you, there's a lot of places that an older pastor retired or God led him away and it was a great church and they brought in uh, some guy who, who uh, charmed them and made them impressed. But deep down, he had ill intentions and led that church in another direction. And tonight, it's a liberal. You better realize the possibility. In Bible days, you could lose a well two basic ways. Number one, you could lose it by confiscation. Remember there in the book of Genesis, chapter number 26, Isaac digged again in the wells of his father. And when he began to dig in those wells, Brother Caden, the Bible said that water began to spring out of that well. And you know what happened? The Philistines came over. And they said, the water is ours. The Philistines are always a type and a picture of the world. And I'm telling you this tonight, the world wants to steal what we have here at the Safe Harbor Baptist Church. They want to steal our children. They want to break up our families. They want to ruin our homes. They want to confiscate and steal our well. I'll tell you what we ought to do. We ought to do like Abraham did in Genesis chapter 21. Abimelech tried to take Abraham's well, but Abraham fought him over. He said, no, you're not going to take my well. He said, Abraham understood that his family needed water. He understood they just didn't need water, but they needed clean water. They needed a clean well to drink from. And I want to admonish us all tonight to make sure we don't allow the world to confiscate our well. Hey, we're going to keep our king. I feel like preaching now, amen. We're going to keep our king. James Bible. We're going to keep singing these old hymns of the faith. We're going to keep wearing suits and ties when we preach. Can I get an amen out of that? We're not going to change on that now. We've come too far by the grace of God to change now. I don't want the world to confiscate my well. So here's the thing. If they couldn't confiscate it, the second thing they'd do, they'd contaminate it. If they can't steal our well, Brother Eric, here's what they're going to do. They're going to try to contaminate our well. I'm going to tell you the way 
that whales are getting, and when I say whales, I want you to think church, all right? I want you to think that in your mind. The way that churches and whales are being contaminated today, I'm going to tell you, I believe that I said this uh, Friday night in the meeting I was preaching in, uh, and, and I said it, I think I said it too, so I, I, this is the third time I preached this message this week. It's heavy on my heart this week. I'm telling you, the Trojan horse in our church is music. Because if the world can't take our church, they'll just sneak it in. And what better way to do it than by music? And what better way to do it than by introducing another generation to contemporary music and music that has no biblical doctrine and has no biblical... And I understand every book in our red... Every song in our red book is not 100% uh, uh, doctrinal correct. I understand that. But I'll tell you, it's more doctrinal than some of the stuff I'm hearing today. I, I, may, I didn't mean to and I don't try to start... And I didn't argue with anybody. I, I don't do fights on Facebook. I just made a statement about contemporary music uh, being fleshly and worldly and something gospel music is getting to be that same thing oh you wouldn't believe the people that get mad and I'm not trying to make anybody mad but when you speak truth people just get mad somebody sent me a message today they said you show me one person of southern gospel music that has long hair so I sent him three pictures he asked for one, so I thought I'd just send him three. I remember, though, when the Bible said, when preachers preach, it's a shame for a man to have long hair, but now we're putting it on the platform and, perform, and, and promoting it and say, well, it's not a big deal. I'm telling you tonight, we know what we're doing? We're letting the world contaminate our well. Contaminate it. These, they said they would contaminate it two ways, with dirt. That's what they did in Genesis 26. The Bible says the Philistines, they put earth, they put dirt down in the wells to stop them up. I'm telling you, they're trying to put dirt in our wells. I'm telling you, it, it's somebody said, preacher, it, it's so the music, uh, uh, gospel music is getting so hard to discern because even some of the southern gospel songs ain't biblical anymore. Preacher, what are we going to do? I tell you, if we have to, we'll sing everything out of the hymn book. If we have to, we'll sing Amazing Grace at the cross. There's a fountain every Sunday. If we have, we ain't going to have to. But if we got to that point, I could still get blessed over Amazing Grace. I could still get blessed over Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. I tell you tonight, those are some old wells that's fed God's people and been a blessing to God's people for many years and I don't want the world to contaminate my well. But the other way they do it is only with dirt but with dead things. Another way they contaminate wells, Brother Richie, is they would take a dead body of an animal or a human, especially in warfare, and they'd throw it down in that well to contaminate the drinking water. And I'm going to tell you, that's been thrown in our church today, deadness, spiritual deadness. I mean, it's sad when we get more amens and more excitement at the nursing home than what we do at the church house. I mean, those people are bound to wheelchairs and bound to rooms. They can't go out. They can't go out and get a bite to eat. They can't go. Many of their family don't even come. See, I know some of them do, but many of their family don't come see them. But we went in there and today and started picking guitars, and little hands got to clapping and raising. And people got to smiling and wiping tears. And here we are. We, we're blessed to night. Uh, we can go eat anywhere we want to. We can go see anybody we want to. And I try. I have to beg for a testimony. Hey, I don't want deadness to contaminate our well tonight. God's been better than us than we deserve. If God never answered another prayer, if God never met another need, uh, if God never blessed me again, He's been good enough for me to raise my hands and say thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Shame on us for not singing out. Shame on us for not testifying. Shame on... Anybody listen to me? Shame on us for not praising God. God, shame on us that when Brother Richie's ain't here, it's quiet as a mouse. He was out preaching the other night and it was like somebody died. 
Hello? Talk to me now. I'm talking to the men, amen. You get excited over everything else, y'all yeah, say amen. That's not working anything up. The word amen simply means I agree with what's being said, amen. I'll tell you tonight, it ought to be to the point we don't allow spiritual deadness to come in and take our church. I don't want that to contaminate our well. Amen. I'm telling you. Thank God for somebody that says amen loud, but we need some more people to say amen loud, Amen. So I, I run him when he first got in church. I said, I don't care what I say. Just say amen to it. I run him. And thank God he does it. Amen. Takes instruction well. But I tell, you, I tell you tonight, it's important to amen the truth. It's important to let people know what you identify with. I tell you, God's been good to us. And my goodness, he saved your soul from hell. And he made a difference in your life. Why are you ashamed to speak up for the Lord and raise your hand and give a testimony and sing out to the Lord? Because we got deadness in so we need to realize the probability. Secondly, we ought to recognize the people. In John 4, we don't know who these people are that kept the well clean. But thank God there was a group of people that kept the well clean. Number one, these people, they're unknown. We don't know their name. We, they, they didn't get a chapter wrote about them. They didn't get a verse wrote about them. But here's what they did. They made sure no dead bodies got in the well. And they made sure nobody threw dirt down in the well. But they made sure the well stayed clean. I'm telling you tonight, church, I thank God for all the opportunities He's given me. I thank God for every poster and flyer my picture's been on, every meeting I preach. But I'm telling you tonight, it ain't people like me that keep the well clean. It's people like you that are faithful to tithe and give to missions. And you're faithful to church. And you come to Sunday school and you pray for the church, and you pray for the preacher, and you pray for the missionaries. You know what you're doing? You're keeping the well clean. You're keeping the well clean. Thank God for those unknown people. And I'll tell you, people like that will be so far ahead of us at the judgment seat. All of us preachers who's preached in these big meetings and had the opportunities, and I thank God for that. I tell you, we ain't going to get as much as people that are just faithful. People that are just faithful. There was a funeral yesterday at my dad's church that I went and helped with some music in. And I saw two of my daddy's old deacons, just faithful men. Neither one of them's preachers. One of them teaches Sunday school. The other one, you couldn't get him to teach Sunday school if you hold a gun on him. <laughs> just a quiet man. But I'll tell you what they've done. They kept the well clean. They kept the well clean. Hey, I'll tell you, we need some men. Hey, I, it, it ought to just be the preacher that's against contemporary music and other verses of the Bible and immodesty and all those things. We need some men that will stand with, and I know you do, and I want to encourage you. Say, you know what, that, that ain't right. And we're going to stand with the preacher. We're going to stand against, against what's wrong. And I need to be the kind of man that leads us in the right direction. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, they're unknown. But these men, these people also had understanding. They knew how important that well was. Oh, do we, do we understand the value of a local church tonight? I believe you do. You're here on a Sunday night. But do we truly understand the value of a local church and how important it is for our family? These men knew that without a clean well, their family would not survive. Am I reminding you, without a clean church, our families would not survive. They, had, they were unknown. They had understanding. These men were united. Here's how I know they were united. They didn't kill anybody and throw them down in the well because they was arguing about keeping the well clean. <laughs> They were just all united in the task. They knew that the job was important to keep the well clean tonight. And all how we need unity. And I know we're coming up in the Psalms of Degrees, and we'll get to Psalm 133. And I, I know I preached it several times. When we get there, I'm going to preach it again. Uh, because we need unity to keep this well clean, keep this church clean. Now, when I say keep it clean, I'm not talking about not welcoming sinners in. 
hey, sinners are welcome in. We want to preach the gospel to them and love them. But I'm talking about God's people. We ought to look different. We ought to be different. Amen. We ought to act different. We ought to talk different. Our lives ought to be different. This, this platform tonight, it ought to be a separated place. This church ought to be a separated place, sanctified unto the Lord. These people were not unfaithful. And these people, they undertook the task. I tell you, we better, we better recognize the possibility that our whale can get corrupted and contaminated. We better recognize and thank God for those people. I mean, you think about people in the church you grew up in and got saved, just unknown people, but they kept the well clean. Brother Michael, your, your granddaddy's pretty well known down in, the, down in the south land of South Carolina. What do they call that? The, uh, the, the low country. But he's really not known nationwide. But I tell you what, I tell you what, he kept the well clean. For Brother Lawson to come in there and take that church, thank God for that. Amen. Not a lot of people knew Brother Rick Perry, but thank God for man kept the well clean. But when I got here to continue on the ministry, you know what? We just need people to keep the well clean. Hey, keep that well clean in your home. Keep that well clean. There's another message in here we might preach later about your personal well. But what I'm talking about tonight is keeping the well clean. Brother Tony, I've heard you testify about people uh, at Morningstar you grew up around. Just faithful men that kept the well clean. Kept the well clean. Thank God for those people that do that. Have a testimony for the Lord that want to do right and honor God and keep the well clean. Here's the last thing. Not, not only do we need to realize the probability and rec- or the possibility and recognize the people, but you and I need to be responsible for preserving because that other generation has done going on. And now it's up to you and I. It's up to you and I to do what that previous generation did and keep the well clean. It's going to involve five things. First of all, it's going to involve desire. Do you want, and I want you to think about this. Just don't say amen and go through the motions. Do you want an old-fashioned church for your family? Do you want a church where they sing the old hymns? The preacher gets red in the face and sweats and hollers and yells and preaches the King James Bible. Do you want that for your family? I know I do. Then you know what we better do? We better have a desire for it. It involves desire. It'll involve diligence. I'm not talking about we're spiritual policemen and we're analyzing everything and criticizing everything. But I tell you, we better watch some things. So you know what? That that because that diligence involves discernment. And you, you know how you discern things? By the Word of God. Line it up with the Word of God. And if it don't line up with the book, hey, that don't need to be in our well. And once you start doing that, it's going to involve some despising. When you want to start keeping the well clean, you're going to be despised by a lot of people. You'll be attacked. I'm not, it, to me it don't matter. But you preach like this, not here, but I preached on the road and made some statements and and, and when you, anytime you deal with, I don't know why music and modesty are so touchy, but you say anything about those two things, and people just have a cow. I mean, they'll just like die. I mean, like, and so that probably tell me those are probably two pretty important issues. And you say anything about that, and people just all get up and up, and, and, and they'll say, well, you're just being critical, and, and, and you're just being... Well, I'm glad that old boy at the mall the other week that was critical of that fellow that was shooting other people, he was so critical of him that he shot him. I'm glad, he was, I'm glad he had a critical spirit. You know what he did? He said, that fella is killing people. He judged him. Mean young man. I mean, that fella, all that fella was doing was just killing people. Thank God that boy had something on him to take care of business. 
But you know what? Tonight you, you try to take a t- stand for truth and preach this King James Bible's Word of God and preach against worldly music and, and contemporary music and unbiblical music and immodesty and preaching that a man ought to have a short haircut. Amen. Praying for Brother Tony to get that message. Amen. Been dropping that hint here recently. Now, you'll get despised. I ain't talking about sinners tonight. Hey, if you see some of the people I preach to in prison, Amen. You think, it's, people think, well, you don't have compassion. I, why would I go to prison? But this ain't prison. This is church. That, going out to the prison is evangelism. This is church. And there are some things that ought to be different and separated here. I can't control the music they have down there at the prison. You just, I just go along, I sing, but I let them sing. I can't control that. That's not my church. But this is the Lord's church. And God's maybe the under-shepherd here. And we're not going to allow contemporary music in here. We're not going that direction. We're not allowing praise and worship music in. We're not doing that. I told you, if we have to go to Amazing Grace and the Old Rugged Cross, we will. If all we say is nice to preach, that's just being old-fashioned. Thank you very much. Thank you. People think they're insulting me when they say that, but they're giving me the greatest compliment. Why? Because it was good enough for Ed Ballou, Billy Mitchell, and Ron Garris, and Johnny Morton, amen, Berman Cape. When that, when that old preacher gets here in September, when James Langston walks up on that platform, it's good enough for men like that. I may die, but I'll die with those guys. I'd, I'd, rather, die on, I'd, rather, I'd rather die with that crowd than live with the other crowd. Men who have stood faithful and stood firm and stood for truth. That's why we're not going to the Southern Baptist Convention. We're not going that way. I got, it's 648, I'm almost done. I got friends of mine, and I know this don't really apply to y'all, but I got friends of mine that were independent Baptist preachers just like me that I looked up to, and now they've went to the Southern Baptist Convention. You know what they're having to fight in the Southern Baptist Convention right now? Women preachers. Ordaining women preachers. I'm like, We've done one that battle in our movement. We let them preach at home. It's a common compromise. Amen. We've done one. They're having to fight a debate over the Bible. Fight a debate over same-sex marriage. They're debating that in the Southern Baptist Convention right now. Calvinism, transgender, and they're fighting all that. And I want to ask my friends that I love, that I know are good men, that I know preach the Bible. What's the deal? I'd rather, I'd rather go with those men like Harold Seitler that walked away from the convention. And when he walked away from the convention, a lot of y'all don't know this, but in the convention, you had retirement as a pastor. You had insurance. You had benefits. And when those men walked away from the convention, they walked away from all of that. Why? Because they believed that Bible. When they started questioning the King James Bible, and separation, those men said, we're going to stay with the book. And they lost retirement. Many, many men died living on Social Security after pastoring for 50 and 60 years faithfully because they took a stand on God's Word. I appreciate men like that. And that's why I'm not going that direction. That's why we're not going to contaminate this well tonight. I'm not saying there's not good people in the Southern Baptist. I know men. I know good men. I don't understand why they're there. We're not going that way. There are, men, there are people I love that are in churches like that. I love them dearly. But we're not going that way. They can do that. What they do is their business. But by the grace of God, here at Safe Harbor, 
We're going keep it, to keep it tight and keep it right. Why? Because it's your preference? No. It's because it's in the Bible. Everybody says, what is old-time religion? You know what old-time religion is? I'm going to show you what old-time religion is. It's everything between the corners of this, the covers of this book. Everybody wants to criticize that old-time religion. It's everything in the, between the covers of that book. That's what it is. Well, it, somebody said, well, you know, you just, you just ain't up to, I, hey, we're, we, got, we got cameras, we got some lights. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Now y'all see we got a row of lights out, amen. I got a, I got a Garth Brooks microphone on. I mean, we got, we got some technology here. What? Okay. My wife said something. I don't know what she's talking about there, amen. <laughs> but all my friends have hip replacements, amen. But anyway, well, I'm, that's a, that's a joke me and Eric was talking about the other night. Look up Tim Hawkins. It's funny, all right? We, I thank God. I, I appreciate AC and padded pews. But you know what? Even though we got padded pews and we got lights and we got microphones and sound systems, I hope the preaching is the same as those men. I believe the preaching is the same as those men. Like Brother Langston. Boy, I love James Langston. I tell you, man's my hero. I mean, that's where I want to be when I grow up. I'm just telling you, if I ever grow up. So I, was I interviewed him, you know, back when he preached for us last year. I'm done. I interviewed him. He talked about preaching revival meetings where the only light in the church was a one-string light bulb paving over the pulpit. He said, I'd preach, and people would shout, and they'd stand outside and look in the windows, and people would get saved. God would move, and it wasn't some emotional thing, and there wasn't Facebook, and there wasn't T-shirts, and there wasn't hashtags, but they had God. And they didn't have all the fancy stuff. And they didn't have all the promotion. But they just had God. Thank God for men like that that kept the well clean. And one thing we're not going to, and this ain't nothing to imagine, one thing we're not going to do here at Safe Harbor, we ain't going to forget those older men. When they get where they can't preach like they, like they once did, we're going to keep having them in, keep loving on them, and be a blessing to them. And that's why we was good to Brother Bryant the other night. We're going to be good to Brother Langston. You can get to meet Dr. James Jones here in a few weeks. He'll be 80 years old. He's 80 years old, be preaching 50 years this year. Cut out the same stuff that James Langston and Larry Wells and Joe Bryan are. You know why I respect those men so much? Because they kept the well clean. We need to keep the well clean for another generation. Let's stand together. I preach 30 minutes. I appreciate your attention tonight. Keeping the well clean for another generation. Well, you know what we you know what this church needs? This church needs some moms and dads. This church